Welcome to the Oxygen Advantage podcast with your host, Oxygen Advantage founder, Patrick McKeown. With the Oxygen Advantage podcast, we aim to show how functional breathing is an essential part of a healthy and well-balanced lifestyle. Each episode, we meet experts in their field from around the world and talk about their lives, their experiences, and how they learned the importance of breathing. Join us and get inspired. Get the Oxygen Advantage. So I'm here with Becca Gillen, and um, this is a conversation I'm not really prepared for. <laughs> I've got a I've got a beautiful young woman sitting across me here, and she's in her early thirties. And I'm always intrigued. Okay, I'm really fifty, so kind of I'm old hat a little bit when it comes to breathing. But it's it's absolutely super to see younger people coming into it. So Becca, you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'd love to kind of get to know your thoughts a little bit but before we start just maybe a little bit of your background I know you you're from Salt Hill down Mm -hmm. the road Mm -hmm. yeah and (laughs) okay uh, I'll try and break it down a little bit so I am from Galway I'm 34 I went to college in UL I did um, a degree in computer science there hated it went to you know a career guidance counsellor after that she told me that everything I was let's say destined for all the aptitude tests and all that were health related health and medical related so she told me to go back and do medicine I said I'm not going back to do medicine after doing four years so um, I ended up going to to London and I did children's nursing over there and I worked in the intensive care unit over there and I did that for six years and just physically and mentally was awful like my health Mm -hmm. even though I was working in a healthcare setting my own health was the worst it was ever had ever been and I had a lot of health issues while I was nursing as well and I just always put it down to out being out of routine doing shift work working nights working in a high stress high pressure job where we're at the busiest busiest hospital in central London especially for uh, labour ward and deliveries so although I wasn't on the labour ward I got all the premature babies um, it was very very high stress job so in my mind I had a bit of a struggle because I tried a lot of different careers and I was mm. thinking oh this it's almost like you feel a pressure yeah like, is pressure. Pe- are people going to think I'm a bit of a yeah, waster here exactly and I was yeah. I don't know what age I was maybe 28 I don't know but at that age when you're supposed to be in you know in quotations like supposed to be 28 is young but yeah like, but, I know but that when now, you are 28 yeah you actually feel yeah that this is when you should have your ducks yeah lined in a you row should have everything together yeah. and you feel yeah you do feel that external pressure and um you know why don't I have my career lined up for me you know is this what I'm supposed to be getting engaged you know this is you're supposed mm. to be getting a house all that stuff and I was trying to follow um, a path that I think everyone else wanted for me. And I just realized at the core of it, I was like, I'm not happy. I feel stressed all the time. And even though I loved nursing, the the lifestyle wasn't, I was just, it just wasn't for me. So I had to have this battle, you know, okay, I'm going to give this up now. And now what am I going to do? What path am I going to take now? Um, so anyways. Can I, can I just ask? Yeah. First, the point is, why aren't all kids in school doing aptitude tests to, to try and direct them and mm-hmm. find out what's their values? Yeah. What skill set? Like, it's not about finding your passion. Yeah. Very few people find their passion yeah. in life. You know, 
so sometimes when we set a goal, find your passion. Forget about finding your passion. When I came out of school, I knew what I didn't want to do. I had no idea what I wanted to yeah. do. But if there was an aptitude test like that that you were, that would have saved you three, four years yeah, doing a degree. Um, the second thing is your decision. When you're in that role and there's so much psychological pressure because you're, it's almost that you're acting your life out based mm-hmm. on people's perception of mm-hmm. you, it takes quite a lot of bravery to step into the unknown. Mm-hmm. How do you make your decisions? Were you making it on logic or were you just fed up with it? Or did you feel there was something in your gut? There's something out there for me, but I'm not quite sure what it was. I think I, I maybe didn't know in my gut there was something else for me, but I knew that what I was doing wasn't for me. Yes. So, and I kind of thought, well, I tried this, it didn't work. And I got over it and I found something else and actually I did enjoy it, but it's just, it's still not the right one. So let me give that up, try another thing. I didn't care if it was going to take me 50 things, but all I knew was that, right, this, this isn't working. So let me just, you know, I, I tried it. It wasn't for me. Let's give it up and go again. And I think it didn't really matter to me at that point because I'd already, let's say, failed once. So I didn't care after that. I was like, well, I gave it up. And even though this isn't the exact right one, it was better than the last one. And I was sick of trying to, I was sick of being miserable. I had a good life, but, in you know, I wasn't, mm. you know. You had a good life on the outside yeah, of people, but yeah, not internally yeah. in terms of what's um, going on. And I didn't care at that point. I was willing to give something up and try again. And um, I knew eventually that I'd. I'd get there and And did you by the way yeah so now (laughs) how many years on now I am I'm do I still am helping people I still am very health focused and I I do feel very fulfilled in my role now so what I'm doing now is um I do a combination of uh, breath work heart rate training and heat and cold exposure so deliberate heat and cold exposure helping people build up their I guess, um, physical responses, adaptation to heat, cold, to training, and also their mental toughness and mental resilience, let's say, by um, overcoming trauma, by overcoming fear of, let's say, ice baths, overcoming, um, you know, 60 seconds in the ice bath can be huge for them on the outside world because they know that they can take that tool and apply it to any stressful situation on the outside. So I'm over in Indonesia um, most of my time and now I'm starting to travel with what I'm doing which is great because I'm I'm not a home bird but I also don't really like to be fully settled in one place so it's great because it's obviously evolved where I've just come back to Galway for what I thought was a holiday and ended up doing a lot of events that are all sold out so I can see just how popular it is and how people are it's in such demand people want to learn there is a big focus on health and wellness people are spending a lot more money on wellness instead of drink which is good Mm. I think and I think in the in my age group and even younger I was at a wedding last weekend a lot of my friends it must have been over 100 of us and a huge portion of of that crew weren't drinking at all um and they just chosen because that's not the Ireland I I think we've um, is it because we they were looking of, at our parents and our parents were, were I think we did too much of it when yeah, we were growing up yeah. uh, we would have been you know like definitely binge drinkers Yeah. all our teens early 20s we all lived in London like young and single or out all the time 
And I think we just got fed up of it. I'll still have a few drinks, but nothing like that. Yeah, but this is the thing that often, like, we did it too, but yeah. we didn't stop. Yeah. We kept going. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's a difference. Yeah. You're, you're, you're early 30s, we're, we're still doing it. So, <laughs> yeah. like, what is going on in the minds of the young person now? First, before we start, though, if you were to roll back the clock to the point that you were 17, mm-hmm. what would you have liked to have discovered? Would Could you have done it any differently? I knew that was the way it was back then, but was there anything that you could could apply I think I would have just not have been so strict with myself and rigid, even, you know, back then I didn't know anything about mindset, but probably if I didn't go to college at 17, I probably would have figured it out. I probably, I used to do um, uh, dancing at the time, I used to get paid for it, so I had money there, I enjoyed dancing, so I was still into exercise, still into, we used to travel around the country doing dancing, I'm sure I would have figured it out, but I would have been much freer. And I think that would have helped with being putting less pressure on myself because I am a high achiever, but also did back then, you know, a bit of a perfectionist as well. So, and then I was thinking, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And then I do them. It's not that I wasn't able to do them. I do them and I was like, okay, yeah, I don't feel good though. (laughs) So I think, I think, you know, even with the pressure of the leaving certain stuff now, it's too much. Mm, It's too much. It's too much pressure. And you need to be, you're still a kid at 17. You need to be a kid and just be a bit more freer and not think mm. that the world revolves around your leaving certain points. Because innately, and you said it, okay, you're a perfectionist, you're a high achiever, you're going to do it anyway. Yeah. And there are many people and they go through school, they get into university and they, if, they, if they're lacking the drive, they're still not going to do it irrespective mm-hmm. of what they have. Mm-hmm. So I think drive is huge. Yeah. But there's also another aspect drive and knowing which direction you want exactly. to put that to yeah a passion project passion. or not you know driving and pushing for something that you're just not interested in is stress mm, and yeah. driving towards something that you are interested in is a passion so there's a big difference between i work all day every day and you know anytime now because i love it and i know that i truly love doing it whereas i probably did less hours or you know even the same amount on something i hated and my body and my mind were just, you know, at, I was at my wit's end, you know, physically and mentally. So um, I think I think in growing up, even when I was in my 20s, let's say 10 years ago, like there was a lot of, there was still a lot of mental health issues. But, you know, being in Ireland, there's, you know, that taboo, people are stigma as well. People aren't willing to talk. And I think back then I was somebody that did talk about right I'm not happy where I am when I was at this point where I was going to quit nursing and I started talking on Instagram about it which was uh, you know not that big back then and the amount of people on it was a lot smaller and that's what what's actually got my following was talking about quitting what I hated not hated I loved the nursing but I wasn't happy and I didn't care what I was going to do next, I just knew that I couldn't continue mm, as I mm, was. Mm. And that's what got the interest in my my Instagram. It wasn't anything to do with exercise or fitness at the time. It was me saying, no, if you're not happy, you know, you'll figure it out. Just, you know, I wasn't going to quit and have no money. I need to save a bit of money and but decide. But people can resonate about it. Yeah. Like if you see life, do you think, how? what, what defines your happiness? I think... Um, is it finance? Is it... Oh, definitely not money. I think freedom, health, adventure, 
you know, um, quality time with family and friends and fun. So those those things, you know, I wish I was living the lifestyle or the how I'm feeling now back then because I'd say I was the most stressed I ever was in my life in my late teens and early 20s because you're trying to figure life out. You're having, you know, you've no responsibility either, but you're also figuring yourself out. You're figuring out your personality. You're trying to fit in socially, academically. There's a lot of pressure. So... I think one good thing that from from now is that people have a lot more options. Whereas years ago, it's like okay, you you know, in let's say my parents' generation, you either do, um, you're a teacher or you work in a bank. You don't have that many options. Whereas now people are going abroad. You're you're in integrating with different cultures, different ways of living, different mindsets, mm. which is huge. I think traditions are broken. Yeah, and you're learning. Yeah. But isn't there something? There's something very motivating, though, coming from a dark place. Yeah. I was in a job. I absolutely hated it. Hated it. Um, and it gave me a tremendous motivation that when I was going then, I because going into the breeding space was back in 1998. I started working in 2002. It was unknown. But because I hated my previous job, now, one was really good. Um, I was in the corporate space. I was working for a multinational um, an American multinational and the stress levels were too high and it, you know there was so much pressure putting the employees and then I had to put it on the people below me mm. and it wasn't I, it, I wasn't fit for that but when I came out of that that gave me a motivation mm-hmm. and I was ready the, the harshness of it gave me the motivation to keep sticking with what I was doing and it mm-hmm. gave me that little bit of resilience yeah. and sometimes you know when we're faced with adversity it can turn into something lovely 100 and i think you won't get that high or you won't figure things out if you haven't been to let's say the really low place and i don't think that there'll be anyone listening that has never experienced some sort of hardship and if they say they haven't i don't believe them <laughs> but i think you are building up that resilience if you're if you're you, you if you're able to get over a place of you know confusion anger you know you, you don't know you don't know what you're you're doing. You don't know where to go. But all you need to do is keep going. Put one foot in front of the other. Just focus on things day by day, hour by hour, and you know you will figure do your it best. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and if it's not one thing, like I must have done uh, at least a hundred different things. Like from working in an ice skating ring. I was in the circus at one point. Um, I was working out in one of the medical device factories. In the industrial estate, anything. I just, mm. I no, that's not for me. Take that one off. Start again. And it did take. Hopefully, people will find their their what what they do enjoy a little bit earlier than you know me. It's taken me a long time, well, but could this be coming back to this? That, that is there much in terms of that analysis that you did that your school teacher like I feel, or the university person, the guidance teacher putting you say, you should be in health. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, because that automatically narrows it down. Yeah. Yeah, and then you can refocus. Yeah. Um. So your journey into breathing, how did that happen? So my I got lot. Well, I got COVID in August twenty twenty one, and then that turned into long COVID. Literally straight after I had the the COVID. When I got COVID, it was quite bad. I was actually really surprised. I was in Budapest at the time, and I remember just going up like. So they have these really really old buildings and there's not there is there isn't lifts in a lot of them, so I remember going up about ten steps and being like, 
we have to stop for a minute now and I didn't have a bag or anything and then I anyway did a test and so I had COVID and I was in bed with it for probably seven days just because it was took too much energy to get up I could go to the toilet just about 10 steps 10 step back then fatigue again so and breathlessness so anyways I had long COVID from September 21 until uh, I'd say this time last year so you know June July last year maybe even August so the worst part of it for me was the chronic fatigue because I am a very active person I love exercising and working a lot I couldn't do anything I was sleeping almost all of the time was it making you anxious Mm, the only thing that would make make me anxious would be okay I've got work to do and how am I going to do it if I can't focus and how am I going to do training videos or exercise if I don't have any energy or if I can't breathe properly so that was really really bad and I guess with chronic any chronic illness that impacts your serotonin levels your everything so my mental health you know, I've had a few times in my life where my mental health has gone down. So I'm used to it at this stage. If it's if I feel a certain way, I can at least acknowledge it and be aware of it a lot earlier. So I was thinking, okay, this is something isn't right here again now. But I realized because everything in my normal routine was taken away from me. So exercising, I couldn't go to dinner, I couldn't socialize because it was too much energy. It took too much energy from me even just sitting down with a group of people. I'd have to try and talk to this person then someone says something over here and I have to it was too much mm-hmm. it would just really drain me mm-hmm. so I couldn't socialize I'd have to pe- meet people one-on-one but most of the time they'd have to pop into me I couldn't go out because it's too much too much energy to go out and you know so, get so when thoughts then start coming because it's it's very easy I can only imagine myself you know I'm lying there um, I'm young I want to conquer the world mm. and it's almost that this condition has taken over it would be very easy to start dwelling on it mm-hmm. and overthinking. So did you notice ever that your mind was going into that space that you were lost in this train of thought or did it happen? Did you observe the thoughts? Did you have any strategy then to help quieten the mind? I I'm think, curious of that aspect of it. I think there was a couple of things going on at one time which made it even more difficult to try and break down. I have a very logical mind anyway. At this time I had done cognitive behaviour therapy stuff so I'm able to rationalise my own thoughts very easily. But this was peak COVID. So this was during 2021 where... My business is very gym-focused, exercise-focused. People need to be in the gym. I don't have home workout clients. So in, in one aspect, it was, okay, how am I going to keep myself afloat? Because I'm in Indonesia now. You can't go out to work if you need to make money. So there's no COVID payment. There's no... My business runs on the gyms being open, and the gyms weren't open worldwide at this point. So I think I had the symptoms of long covid but I also had burnout on top of it because I'm constantly trying to think, how am I going to make money? How am I going to get back up? Because um, you're spending money, but you're not bringing it in. But I also don't have the physical or mental energy to think of any ideas because I don't have any serotonin right. left or my mental exhaustion. So I, had, I realized, okay, I've got burnout, but I've also got long COVID on top of that. Um, and so those things together and obviously not exercising and not doing things that are good for my body just and not meeting with people either yeah exactly moment. socially it's just it was awful really really bad yeah. time and i think on top of that as well my cognitive function was just 
really bad from long COVID. So um, my memory wasn't great. I'd be forgetting things. I've got videos on my phone that I only found recently where I'd have recorded episodes of podcasts. Like I never brought out a podcast. I don't even remember doing it. So I think I had a little bit of dissociation going on as well because I had worked so hard to get my business into a place online where I could move to Indonesia. Then I, you know, get impacted really, really badly with this health condition when I would have considered myself to be extremely healthy. So I got back into a state where I was thinking, how am I how am I in this place? I wasn't necessarily thinking, oh, why me type of thing, but you know financially or from a business perspective you can figure those things out but physically and mentally that I wasn't Mm -hmm. you know things weren't working out for me no matter what I tried so bringing it back to breath work I I couldn't do much I wasn't able to exercise I started doing ice baths every day because um I put that for how long I'd say two or three minutes yeah probably started with 30 seconds 60 seconds obviously your mental toughness is building up as well and for me I'm like okay this is working for me. I'm able to accomplish this every day. This is a big achievement for me because everything else in the day, I'm probably asleep. So this is like the big highlight of my day. And it's also in place of my exercise routine, which was felt really good to me. Okay, I'm getting a bit of my routine back as well as um, physically, I felt much more energetic because it's really good for mitochondria. You're also, um, you know, decreasing inflammation in the body. So whatever, you know, virus is going around in my body, it's helping that it's decreasing my heart rate when I'm in there when I come out I can see my heart rate is reduced um and then I started doing I found breath work I don't know how like I said I can't even remember a lot of this time because my brain wasn't working very well anyway started doing breath work to just kind of stretch out my lungs a little bit and also I wanted a time out because if you're constantly fatigued constantly trying to think how I fix my business constantly trying to Mm -hmm. think how am I going to get healthier I just wanted this hour to mm-hmm. completely switch off. Yeah. yeah. And so by doing that sort of breath work where you're doing, um, you know, three part breathing, you're doing a little bit of hyperventilation at the start. At the end, I am completely zoned out. My mm-hmm. brain is hollow. There's nothing, else, there's nothing in there. And obviously my nervous system is a little bit, oh, a lot more relaxed than when I'm walking around with long mm-hmm. COVID. Can I, can I just bring you to that point? I often feel that a lot of people that when... There is so much mind activity. Um, and the other aspect of it is that we're often putting our attention outwards. That very few people tend to bring their attention inwards. Mm-hmm. It's not some that, something that's commonplace. The mobile phone is literally taking attention yeah. as well. Yeah. So you could have very easily just lie there and, okay, you're tired and you can be in total self-misery. But you decide to do something about it you weren't just spending your in, your entire time looking into a phone. You started, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of responsibility here. Okay, you found ice packs. You got something out of it, mm-hmm. which is a great motivator to yeah. keep going it. You got into the breathing aspect of it. I have obviously assumed that you were getting something out of it. But what you said there, you were taking one hour out of your day mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, It's not always, um, I think it's tremendous. Mm-hmm. I have to confess, my work will take up lots. And it was only in the last eight months ago, I said, I'm doing that. Mm. And you literally have to carve it out, though, because yeah. your your entire day is gone. When yeah. do you take the, the hour out? What, what decision? Mm-hmm. In other words, regardless of what's on your calendar, do you take that hour out or that half hour out? Yeah. like What's I, it done for you? 
Um, it gives me clarity and gives me it makes me feel more relaxed. And sometimes I don't have an hour. I wouldn't be doing breath work every single day for an hour. But back then, my day, I was literally living for either the ice baths or a bit of breathing because that was, okay, that's my motivator. It's going to be hard to even get up and get there. That takes energy. But when I get there, I can relax and I have that reward. So actually, even though it was difficult, you do have the reward factor, which obviously is a great motivator. So I did notice that doing the breath work and the ice baths helped a lot with my energy and my heart rate was starting to, starting to come down over time now this is months now months I had COVID for over 10 months long COVID and um, this is when I started monitoring my own heart rate and seeing that How it was improving <clears throat> so you honed in on your heart rate mm -hmm. so you used that you used that as your metric mm -hmm. to give you feedback yeah, I didn't. I think it's mostly because I what 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 I could it was what I could feel the most. I didn't focus so much on my my breathing because I didn't feel I was breathing really quick. Mm. It was my heart rate was fast in the morning, so I'm waking up after what I think should have been a really good sleep, but actually with chronic fatigue, I don't know if it's a really good sleep. I'm just wrecked. So why is my heart rate going so fast or double what it would normally be, and why am I waking up with? A really fast heart rate when I just slept for probably 16 hours so I started doing it myself and um, you know from nursing I probably just wanted to know more why is this happening when I was so healthy before how can I try to improve it let's try this the ice baths were helping the breathing was helping and I kind of went from there and eventually bit by bit I was able to go for a short walk maybe 20 minutes but I'd probably have to go for a nap after and then just improved bit by bit so that was kind of my own, let's say, anecdotal and study. Were there times that you pushed it a bit too hard and yeah. you were floored and I, then you dialed it down? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, the type of exercise that I usually do is usually um, high intensity. So actually what I found then was I started doing just a little bit of exercise, not high intensity. Then once you kind of feel like you're able for it, you go for the high intensity. And then what I would find is if I did um, conditioning, I would feel in the middle of it, like I'd almost taste blood, like it was like I'd smoked a hun hundred cigarettes. That's what it would feel like. And it would be sore, my chest would be sore, my lungs would be sore. But at the time I thought it was unfitness because I'd taken so much time off exercise. I assumed, oh God, I've gotten really unfit. So, and I kept doing the breath work and the ice baths because I knew they were working and I actually enjoyed them, but I never really... I never really put two and two together mm. at the time mm. that it was my lungs were damaged. And I actually had gotten chest x-rays and everything because I knew something was wrong. But everyone said, no, everything's normal. But actually, you know, I don't know. They're not going to see like your alveoli on a chest x-ray. So anywhere, any person I went to with try and get something diagnosed, um, they just said my lungs are fine. Now, I knew I'd long COVID, but on a scan my lungs looked fine so I don't know how I figured it out in the end that I wonder actually... was there something else though because when the body isn't up to when there's something going on mm. breathing is impacted yeah irrespective we yeah. see it with diabetes we see it with epilepsy yeah we see it with different conditions aside from respiratory health breathing is often a giveaway yeah like, you know if you find it difficult to go up that flight of stairs mm -hmm. and there's also a relationship between our breathing pattern and the autonomic nervous yeah. system in terms of the bar reflex and heart rate variability. 
So you were working then with your breathing. So it wasn't just that the long COVID is feeding into a poor breathing pattern. You're actively working with your breathing so that you can improve your health via that mechanism. Because let's look at people with poor health. You can imagine somebody coming in here with poor health. How are they going to breathe? They don't have to have respiratory conditions. Mm -hmm. You say chronic heart failure, they come in, their practice coming in. Is it the chronic heart failure which is causing the exaggerated breathing pattern? Or is the exaggerated breathing pattern feeding back into the chronic heart failure? And oftentimes we need to be looking at that feedback loop. So you spotted, or I don't know if that's the right word, but identify that breathing was a component. Let's work with your breathing and use that to bring you back in your journey. Yeah, and then that obviously feeds back to my how my mindset was, okay, this little bit helped today. So, you know, a little bit better, a little bit better, then maybe I push myself a little bit too hard one day in an exercise class. Okay, relax now. Tomorrow, no exercise. Only go to sauna, ice bath, breathing. Maybe not even, you know, breath work, let's say, every time, but just deep breathing to relax myself. Yeah, slow, (coughs) deep breathing so that my body is recovering a little bit and that's, you know, feeding back to my brain okay something here is working keep going and mm-hmm. kind of build up your self-confidence again that something's going right might not have it all right mm-hmm. but something was going right so even, even if it's just marginal yeah. you know yeah. then that you're we, we as human beings were we're complex creatures yeah. and it's it's always hard often hard to stay motivated in any endeavor you know that kind of way when you feel that challenges are there yeah but i think this is where there's an inner strength we we often get an inner strength based on, okay, our personality, our life experiences, but that 1% gain that we are getting, we know we're onto something. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. kind of... And I think those those small, small achievements are what build up to the bigger ones. Because if you're trying to aim for these huge accomplishments all the time, you'll probably be disappointed because it's such a long stretch to get there. If you actually just focus on the very small increments, then bit by bit, you're, you're building up your self-esteem your confidence and the bigger things then don't seem as big mm-hmm. going forward um so it was a yeah it was a long long journey but ultimately it led me to what I'm doing now which is kind of always what has happened in my life I do something for myself and then I think oh that's well, actually why really do you helpful. like working for yourself why do I like working for myself I like the freedom of it <laughs> um yeah that's definitely a personality thing now I like to travel um you don't want to have a boss over you. No, you reckon it's you not. can do it better. Yeah, well, I think it's not even that. I just. No, I, I think it's good. Yeah. I, don't work, I work yeah. for myself. Yeah. I it couldn't is, have a boss over yeah. me. Yeah, it's hard at the same time. It is It yes. is hard, and you know, you've got to take a lot of criticism. And But you've got, to, I think the main thing is you've got to know yourself that, you know, what you do you, is rewarding mm. and you are helping other people. And, you know, my method might be different to somebody else's, but that doesn't mean it's you know, the wrong method. It's just a different way of, of doing things. So, yeah, I won't be working for anybody else ever. <laughs> I said that to my mother-in-law about 25 years ago. Yeah. I said, I've never worked for anybody else yeah. ever in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And she just looked at me and I knew she wasn't believing yeah. me. But, yeah. you know, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I actually love that character because I think we need to be able to do, do these things for ourselves. Very often... You know, there's a kind of 
there could be a tendency for people to kind of sit back and wait for things to happen, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't mm-hmm. happen that way. Mm-hmm. But do you find, is there something self-gratifying that when you've, you were talking about tiny steps, I think it's a great way to go mm-hmm. um, in terms of the motivation, but also in terms of the habit forming. But when you look back, do you feel we as human beings in terms of, we look back at something that we've accomplished or self, that sense of, I've done it, mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody handing it to you. Mm. Oh, definitely, yeah, because I've slogged for it, you know. It's not mm-hmm. easy work to mm-hmm. get where where I am now. If you know, if you want to set up your own business, if you have something that's a little bit different as well, you know, if I've got something trying to teach people about breath work, about breathing, about ice baths, heart rate training, you know, and combining those all together, you really need to know what you're talking about. To try and make people understand the value of it, otherwise it's not going to go well. I think it's really important. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, so you've got to know, you know why you've got to know why it's important to you, and you've got to show other people how it's going to benefit them. Otherwise, they're not going to they're not going to buy into it, are they? They're not going to commit, and they're not going to try it. So when I'm using the heart rate monitors, I I am showing them with data how these techniques work how your breathing can slow down your heart rate how your breathing can speed up your heart rate if you're stressed or if you're breathing in a certain way that will keep your your you know sympathetic nervous system going and i'm proving it so you can't you can question me but i'll be able to give you an answer because it's there in the data so people love the proof and are people skeptical not after they see it and um, i was the one that was skeptical about breathing about breath work about ice baths even about long covid i was thinking what's going on here i need to understand it so i was the skeptical one i have a very logical brain and then when i'm doing these trials on myself let's say experiments doing the ice bath doing the breathing doing a couple of days without doing any of it and look at the different difference in heart rate and heart rate variability how it how relaxed or unrelaxed I am, the proof is there. So people aren't skeptical, they're more curious and they just want to see what they can do with their own breath. And then it's there in front of them, you know, what they've actually achieved with their own breathing or how they can overcome um, something like an ice bath, which initially people are really afraid of. And then they, they get into the ice bath, I teach them a breathing technique inside the ice bath and they they do two minutes, no problem. And then they get out and they're high as a kite. And then they're like, can I go again? Can I go again? <laughs> and then they're motivated to do it again because they've done it once. Mm-hmm. So they've overcome the, the fear, which is brilliant because then they can uh, apply that to any situation on the outside world. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a bit afraid of it, but you know, I'll try it and see how I get on. And then they, they're able to overcome it, do a bit of breathing when they're in times of stress. And then then they're able to adapt to any stressful situation on the outside. So it's not just about going into an ice bath and sitting in the cold or, you know, trying a bit of breath work. It's about applying it to different areas on the outside, which mm. I think is really important. I think the psychological aspect is huge. Yeah. And I think oftentimes it's not been talked about, you know, even when we do deliberate, say, breath tolling with people, um, you know, we're, we're putting them into a degree of air hunger Sometimes I use the word suffocation. Mm-hmm. It's a very primordial mm-hmm. fear response. It's controlled. There's nothing extreme about it. But you are training the brain not to react to stress. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge. Mm-hmm. And the ice bath is the same. Yeah. And even in the heart rate training, it's the same. We might be doing a 20 or 30 second sprint. 
and I'm teaching people how to recover and breathe in their 30 second recovery time. Mm. Okay, bring down your heart rate a little how bit. How do you do it? Um, how do I tell them how to do it? Um, well, they usually will be very out of breath yeah. after doing a sprint on the assault bike or whatever, and they will be breathing through the mouth on the assault bike. Yeah. But then I'll get them in their recovery time to breathe through the nose, breathe nice and slow if they can, mm -hmm. push the breath down to the belly, get it mm -hmm. out of the chest. Mm -hmm. And it takes them a while, you know, two or, but after two or three breaths, it does slow down. And the great thing is that they can actually see the effect of that on the TV. They can see their heart rate coming down. So if they've been sprinting and they're up in the red zone, which is the maximum, you know, up near your maximum heart rate, they can see that if they're breathing and recovering, pushing the breath down into the belly, that their heart rate comes down another mm. a level down into orange zone. They're recovering a little bit. Their breathing is recovering. Their heart rate is recovering. Then when they go back to the sprint again, they're ready to go. They have more energy, more oxygen. They're ready to sprint again. Even if they end up doing a couple of mouth breaths, at least yeah. in the recovery breath, recovery yeah. part, they're recovering properly yeah. with their, their yeah. nasal yeah. breathing. Yeah. So again, it's like high stress. Okay, bring myself out of that high stress, bring mm -hmm. it down. It's the same thing, mm -hmm. just applied mm -hmm. to different mm -hmm. situations. And the tools you learn there are those same tools that you can bring into everyday exactly. life. Yeah. So when something is going wrong, things do go wrong. Yeah. But I would always say, you know, start off with small situations first and using the breath. So you described there, you're you're talking about nose breathing. You're talking about taking a soft breath in through the nose. Okay, after high in intensity exercise, yeah. it's not going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have a few mouth breaths. At some point, then you're slowing down the speed mm -hmm. of the exhalation. And it's that really slow and gentle exhalation that's stimulating the vagus nerve yeah. to bring down the heart, heart rate. rate yeah. We should be all taught yeah. it up. Yeah. You know, it's it, like I was talking to you about the situation mm -hmm. that, like any of us, if you're going into a job interview, I've had people come in here. And if I notice that somebody is coming in, and it's not because I'm in the breathing space, we all pick up on it. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we breathe when we get stressed? Mm -hmm faster, harder, upper chest, irregular breathing. But if we're breathing that way, how is that telling? What are we communicating to the person that we're going in to speak with? We're communicating to them that we're uncomfortable. Yeah. Don't let your breathing give you away. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to go in, if you want to go in there and you want to really perform at your best, we need to know how to self-regulate. Mm -hmm. And that's even just standing outside the door. You're feeling your heart rate is a bit higher, as you talked about, Becca, how do we bring it down? Focus on the speed of the exhalation. Gently slow it down. It's so simple yeah. and so effective. Yeah, and I'm trying to show people, especially for people that do a lot of high-intensity training, a lot of fighters, and over in Indonesia, there is a lot of that. How, you know, if their heart rate is higher than it was in the previous class, you know, it's not that they've lost their fitness level in one day. There's something else going on there. There's an underlying stressor that they need to identify. So when their heart rate is higher than normal in an exercise class, you know, there's a sign that maybe they didn't sleep properly. Maybe they need to take a rest day. They've been overtraining. Maybe they need to slow down, do some meditation or some breathing or do the ice baths and the sauna so they can come out of that high, you know, their high, highly stressed state or their sympathetic state and spend more time in the parasympathetic state. So it's about, you know, identifying, okay, how do I need a little bit more time in um, downregulating my nervous system and what are my options for doing that? Because breathing is one, ice bath is one, going into the sauna is one. There's a lot of different methods. So you need to be able to have that awareness, okay, you know, how much time have I been spending in this really high stress state, which is for most of us, 
most of the time if you don't take that time out I mean I feel like when people do actually lie down to do a little bit of breathing they'll obviously have their thoughts will be going they struggle to get into it because they're not used to being relaxed but then when they actually do manage to get into a really really relaxed state they're you're almost floating because they're not used to being that relaxed and that's when they can you know have a time out they can their body can recover better their muscles can recover better your brain can recover better and you can have any bit of time you can have in your a little bit more time in your parasympathetic state is obviously going to help overall even if it's only five minutes doesn't have to be an hour of breathing but a little bit every day is better than you know one hour a week if you can just do a little bit of breathing in the morning so you're saying that the recovery is is an integral part that sometimes we feel that we have to be pushing 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 but there's a point at which we can push it too hard we get burnout yeah that we as we we have evolved we can cope with a certain amount of stress but we need a recovery so the recovery and it's not just that the recovery is bringing us back to where we are recovery and improving heart rate variability and balance of the autonomic mm-hmm. nervous system it's giving us the resilience then to be cope with the stress yeah, so we can push it yeah so we have that you know even with the training you can't keep pushing at a certain level your muscles aren't going to recover you're going to have lactic acid build up your your you need a break at some point so if you allow yourself to recover then obviously you're going to perform better the next time you come into train your heart rate and your your heart rate will be a little bit lower even when you wake up the next morning your heart rate will be a little bit lower so in order to be able to perform at your best you need to be able to recover just as much if not better so when we're doing the high intensity training i always say to them you know work hard but recover harder so because otherwise how can you keep going how can you get better at your training if you're not able to refuel your body reset and recover in order to go again Mm -hmm. and then often then we'll go into the ice bath after so you're you're going from your um sympathetic training state with a little bit of breathing and recovery and then into the ice bath after Mm -hmm. so it's like showing people the complementary practices Mm -hmm. because um i don't think you can have really good performance or even overall you know be performing optimally or have your health at its peak condition if you're not um doing both if you're not able to train but also recover and all you know be able to speed up and perform when you need to but then relax and recover Mm -hmm. afterwards as well and you know understand that your your nervous system is at the core of all of that and how to recognize when one needs to be pushed up and when it needs to be down regulated mm-hmm. as well so and you're not just training the body but you're training breathing as well as part of that yeah and you're not just training breathing but you're training the brain yeah exactly. so i think it's it's i think it's a it's a no-brainer yeah and it's like the, the all about the mind-body connection like you can't have one without the other it has to be aligned otherwise one will be out of sync and something won't be working for you and it's not just our thoughts or in our fueling our breathing, but there's also the bottom up communication. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like when I do, let's say, some reframing thoughts or I'm doing some cognitive behavior therapy stuff with clients, that's all like a top down approach. But breath work and breathing and ice baths is a body up approach. So when you have the two, you've got double the options and you've got you know, your, your, your brain and your body are in coherence. So in times of like overthinking or when trying to rationalize your thoughts just isn't an option because your brain is too much, 
do a bit of breathing or else jump if, if you're really really overthinking jump into the ice bath you won't be thinking anymore for those 60 seconds or two minutes the, the brain will go blank because the only thing that you have to focus on is the breath in that moment so if you really want to time out um that's that would be my first protocol for an overthinker that just can't seem to relax into the breath or can't rationalize their thoughts, jump into the ice. Then obviously you've got the breath where you can just slow down. And obviously when you're doing breathing and the ice baths, you know, your physiology is changing, you're influencing the chemicals in your brain, which will help because they're like, you know, that's like a natural antidepressant. So if you're not, if you're able to influence the brain using your breath, and and deliver cold exposure then you can regulate your thoughts a little bit better mm. because you've been able to slow down a little bit and the other way around if you're in a space where you can rationalize your thoughts then you won't be putting yourself in fight or flight mode with your overthinking or jumping to conclusions um, and then your body won't be in as stressed as a result so it's all about um you know it's a it's a cycle so there's two options you go from the top down or the body up and I think if you have the option of both then you've got a really comprehensive approach to um, managing your mind and your body at mm. the same time I would agree and I think as well with a quieter mind you're more open to you're talking about different ideas you know putting the question out there if you're a 20 year old you're wondering what am I going to do next it, it doesn't happen quickly yeah sometimes we have it in our society that okay jump onto some website you click comes product comes the next day that that will automatically translate into our life it's slower yeah isn't it it's, yeah. it's, it's worth how do you feel in terms of that speed um when you did it did it move at a speed according to what you expected or was it different mm, i think i think <coughs> we have we put a lot of pressure i think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves but also for me looking at the world now and work and life in general people are really impatient because back when I was going to college we didn't have um whatsapp we didn't have we did have instagram but it wasn't as popular as it is now tiktok all these things that are taking away our attention span you know expecting to have life figured out in two seconds so on one side yes you've got so many more opportunities but on the other side people can get lazy with you know actually going for something they try it for a day or two and they're then they're like oh, i didn't really like that and there's there's a difference between really trying something and not enjoying it or wanting to give it up and actually just um having too many options that you're not committing to anything and that's one thing about social media and everything online you've got so many options that you know it's taking away your distraction it's using up your dopamine you can't get your enjoyment from actual like things in the present moment because you're distracted by social media and you've got like decision fatigue because there's so much going on but then you're also looking for things on the outside and not really taking a minute for yourself mm -hmm. and if you actually just have that time to yourself you'll you'll figure it out for yourself but it won't be instantaneous it won't be in, in one click like you said mm. and it's going to take a little bit of hard work so mm. um and to trust it's yeah going to work exactly out. and i think we do we, we're, we're getting better at it but you know that in, intuition you're not going to be connecting with with your body and your trust and your gut let's say in your intuition if you're distracted by a phone so this is why it's really important to take five or ten minutes or you know even asking yourself what do I really, really enjoy? Like, who do I enjoy being being around? What activities make me happy? Or 
those are that's the way you figure out kind of what path you're going to go down not by looking at um online stuff and comparing yourself as well like the impact of social media oh she's doing this people could be looking at my life over in bali during covid when my business was on the floor thinking that how lucky am i to be over in the sun when actually it's like well actually you know physically and mentally i'm not what you think i am and so i think taking time out for ourselves and figuring out what you know what we enjoy and what we don't enjoy is a really good way of figuring out what we do and then kind of going it's going to take a couple of years there's very few people that figure out exactly what they want to do when they're 18 or 19 or 20 and I think um I enjoy life a lot more now because I'm I'm kind of I don't have a set schedule I kind of think right let's go with this let's see how it works I'm really passionate about it I really enjoy it if it doesn't work out it's okay at least for me it was a success yeah and it's not a failure as the mindset but before was if it didn't work out it was a failure when actually I it just wasn't for me so I think people have a big fear of failure these days because they're embarrassed about it or they there's a lot of shame involved, but really, it's not failure, is it? It's just something that didn't work out. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know by your mistakes what's going to work out. Yeah, in the future. exactly. And I think the other thing is, if you are in a role that you don't like, why not apply ourselves to the best that we can apply? Yeah. Because we learn something in that process. Yeah. So there was another few notes. What do you do about your mobile phone? What are your habits? The phone is always on, do not disturb, always. So no matter what, I pick up my messages when I want to pick up my messages. So there'll be no notifications on my phone at all. I would never get anything done if I had notifications. So everything from Instagram messages, WhatsApp, everything. I've got a Fitbit, so I don't have an alarm on my phone. This one is vibrating alarm, so it doesn't even make a big loud noise. This just vibrates to wake me up in the morning, which I love. Um, so first thing in the morning, especially when I'm in a time zone that's eight hours or seven hours ahead of here, there's nobody online in the morning, which is good. So in the morning, I'll do, usually now I have this morning routine, I'll do five or 10 minutes of breathing. Usually um, energetic breath to wake me up a little bit. Um, I'm so already... Hyperventilation. Yeah, I'm already relaxed. Mm. I don't need to be more relaxed. And I think people with breathing, if they don't learn correct techniques, they will be doing a breath that's for bed in the morning and they'll be doing a breath for waking up at night, which isn't good. So obviously different breathing styles influence our nervous systems in a different way so i'll do a bit of energetic breathing in the morning i'll watch um i save reels on my phone so motivational things or knowledgeable things or inspiring things for me so they're saved on my instagram so i don't go into my notifications but i'll flick through about 10 of them usually um just motivating things or positive stuff and i'll just watch about 10 of them after i've done the breathing then i'll have my coffee and then I'll check my phone and I'll check what's important and what's not. I'll, I'll go into the WhatsApp and I'll see, okay, what's work and what's just general messages. And then I'll decide when I'm going to actually go into them. Um, I'm on Instagram, so I need to be on Instagram. I'll check my notifications, and but I'll prepare the content off the phone and then I'll just up- upload it later on. But I wouldn't be big on, uh, I know how much it can take away or distraction if you're scrolling two hours gone and you've got you know for what just you're not even getting anything out of it it's just a rabbit hole so I'm pretty good I'll do my I usually record my stories on my camera so I'm actually not on Instagram I'll be walking around okay you know hi guys you know doing my few bits 
I'll do all my work and then I'll upload them later so that it's not on there and then. It's done in my time and um, otherwise I would, I'd be on the phone the whole mm-hmm. time. But I know how much, you know, I know how much it can distract me. And I do sometimes do if I'm online at night. I am scrolling and watching stories or whatever of my friends and then I'll be like, okay, well, no, I'm, that's it now till tomorrow. Um, and then I'll just re- repeat the routine. So first thing in the morning is definite no because I want my mind to be right in the morning and I want to be um in the right uh energy for the day I guess so I'll just do a bit of breathing doesn't have to be an hour five minutes is enough do those watch those reels which influence my my mindset for the day I'm quite positive person anyway but it's nice to have like a little extra boost and because whatever you focus on in 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 general but especially in the morning after you've had a sleep is going to influence what you see in the rest of your day so if you're scrolling first thing in the morning then that's influencing your you know it's the neuroplasticity if you focus on crap in the morning on garbage on you know i don't know what just comparing yourself first thing in the morning you're already in a negative mindset so for the rest of the day you will more than likely only see negative in the day because you've primed your brain that way um to see only negative whereas for me I do the watch the inspiring stuff. I don't have any influence of social media or messages or anything. Even if I've had bad news, I'm not looking at it first thing in the morning. I'll mm. read the message later. I don't. It might not be bad news, but I don't want to look at it first thing. So I watch those inspiring reels, motivational quotes or whatever, and then that's already primed my brain to see the good in the day. So not to say that there might not be any bad in the day, but you'll focus more on the good because that's how you've primed your brain for the day. So first thing in the morning and last thing at night, I'll make sure that what goes in is positive because that's going to influence our subconscious as well in the night. So um, I'll usually do a bit of breathing before I go to bed or like a nighttime uh, meditation. And if I need to, if I'm really tired, I don't, but I make sure that what I've looked at or who I've interacted with before I'm going to bed is like, you know, a positive conversation. Otherwise I have the positive conversation with myself. Even if I've had a bad day, I'm like, okay, today wasn't great now, but, but it's okay. We got through it. Tomorrow will be better. So at least you're kind of influencing your brain to see the good in the day again, even if there's been a little bit of negative, Mm -hmm. so that you can sleep on it. Mm -hmm. Your brain has already been given that message and you wake up, you know, in Mm -hmm. in a more positive, with a more positive attitude, then I reinforce that positive attitude again by watching all of those videos again. So that's like my, my, I guess, routine or my, my habit with, my phone and how much I know it can influence me in a negative way. Um, so I just have a, a strategy of no phone in the morning, only positive stuff, not toxic positive stuff, just, you know, nice stuff or inspiring stuff. And the same before I go to bed. If I've watched um, a documentary, I, I like true crime. So I make sure that I uh, don't go to bed on the true crime stuff. Otherwise, that's how my brain is going to um, develop overnight. So I'll just put on youtube i'll type in like something funny and then i'll just watch that and go to bed on that so um yeah <laughs> that's funny i like true crime as yeah. well and there's some great stuff on netflix at the moment too but uh some of it is pretty, pretty yeah perfect. it gives yeah. you an awful little insight into yeah. the, the minds yeah, of human exactly. beings you know yeah um so becca i'm just conscious of time mm-hmm. and five-year plans do you agree with them do you kind of go with the flow 
um, going with the flow for me is much better because if I have a plan and it doesn't work out, I get stressed about it. And they never work and, out, by the way. Yeah, they exactly. They always go in some direction yeah. anyway. So I have a vision, let's say. Yes. Uh, and I might get there in one year, I might get there in ten, but it's taken me a long time to even have the energy to be able to do what I'm doing now mm. after getting over long COVID. So that's why I'm all go because I'm trying to put as much energy into what I'm doing now. Firstly, because I can. Secondly, because, you know, if I got COVID again, like that's one of my huge fears. Like, is that going to impact me again? And I, I, I don't know how, I honestly don't know how I would do it again. I'd obviously have the strategies there, but I just wouldn't wish it on anyone. So I'm trying to put as much energy into what I love, what's helping people and, and, and see where it goes from there. So I've already seen that, you know, I've come, I've come here to come home to Ireland this week. And it's like so much demand for what I'm doing and events, which is great. I'll go back to Indonesia next week. I'm going to Sydney to do an event in September. So if I can dot around globally um, a couple of times a year, I'd love to do that. And I think the best thing is to just uh, stay, stay doing what I'm doing. And I'm sure um, the opportunities will come and um, I'll add on more and more. So obviously I'm doing the, the functional breathing. So I'll have that done in a couple of weeks time so that'll just be another another tool i'll have um i'm gonna go from there <laughs> great attitude yeah becca for people to find you on instagram yeah and um, my personal instagram is becca gillen and um, the breathwork and the ice baths and the heart rate training is bpm.method on instagram and my email is becca at becca gillen.com excellent yeah. it's a pleasure yeah thank you so much for having me thanks very much becca Thank you for listening to the Oxygen Advantage podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and maybe take the time to leave us a review. The Oxygen Advantage podcast is available from all your podcast providers.